All right, we got live. We're live on two screens. Whoa. Excellent. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Aaron Luttrell with the Aaron Advantage here tonight with Ryan Farmer of Ryan Farmer Appraisal Company. And I apologize if it looks like I'm looking off to the side over here on one or over to the side over here on another because we are going live on two pages tonight on Ryan's page, Ryan Farmer Appraisal Company. If you haven't checked him out, go over to his Facebook page, give him a like, give him a share, show him some love. Or if you're watching over on my page, the Aaron Advantage, really appreciate you guys checking us out and coming back. Uh, we went live two weeks Weeks ago, I apologize for the uh, interim missing time. Uh, I was moving last week, and I decided it was better to stay home with the family, help them unload some boxes. My wife really appreciates you guys allowing me to take that week off. Uh, but we had such a great conversation on our last episode about doing valuation on CMAs versus appraisals that we wanted to continue the conversation with an actual appraiser. He's going to talk to you guys tonight specifically about what I said right. Hopefully, not much of what I said wrong but he's here to answer even more questions that I couldn't cover on my own because, as I mentioned previously, I am not an appraiser, so I don't know 100% on everything what they actually do, but I got a good basic idea. Uh, Greg is actually off the camera tonight, behind the scenes. Say hey, Greg. Hey, Aaron. He is going to be fielding our questions tonight, so if you have anything that you want to know, go ahead and comment down below on this video, and be sure to like and share this with your friends for anybody who has questions about the appraisal process or valuing properties. So, enough of me, Ryan. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everybody kind of how long you've been an appraiser, what you've been doing in the business, and, and what the heck an appraiser actually does. Oh boy. All right. Well, my name's Ryan Farmer. I've been a real estate appraiser in the business since 1991. I grew up in the business. My father started appraising in 1977. I grew up with him helping during the summers and then learning a little bit of real estate. Went to college, decided college was, meh, it's all right, but not the greatest. <laughs> I liked real estate better, so I have been a full bore into real estate since 91. Um, and going from there, as far as uh, what a real estate appraiser does, boy, that is a loaded question. That is a... Difficult one to narrow down, but basically I analyze the market and try and figure out uh, what are key value drivers, what are people looking for, what, what adds value, what is value, and what uh, the market looks for in property, location, location, location. Location, location, location. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's a great thing that you're saying, you know, what is an appraiser? There's so much that you do. Um, in a lot of situations in real estate, obviously, I tell everybody, you don't necessarily have to have an appraisal up front to get your property on the market. Right. What are the typical situations where you find that you're going to be the one who's called out to actually do the market evaluation and do that appraisal process? When, it, when are you getting called specifically? What situation would that be? Uh, typically when a real estate broker will call me uh, needing help with value, it's because the property is somewhat unusual. It's either atypical, uh, there's a lack of sales in the neighborhood, uh, the market is super hot or super slow and they just can't figure out what's going on there. I come in there and utilize my years of data that I've been gathering for you know over 25 years and kind of take that information and try and apply it to the situation and help uh, figure out the problem. You know, um, geodesic domes are obviously uh, a pain for anybody, but yeah. I've been called on those many times over the years because it takes a, uh, you got to think outside the box to handle, come up with the valuation. Come up with value like on something like that. Absolutely. All right. So probably the two most typical things that uh, you're going to interact with the realtor and the real estate community is probably 
maybe purchases and refinances most of the time. Is that is that pretty accurate to say? Uh, for, for involvement with the real, realtors, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So when you are called out, um, what's that process look like? You know, a lot of people think, you know, I just call an appraiser whenever I'm buying a house and they're going to come and give me a value on that. Right. What, what is the actual process through which that you're contacted to go out and do that appraisal whenever there's somebody purchasing a home? Well, with the advent of the Frank Dodd Act of 2009, it really changed the landscape of real estate and it changed the way um, realtors, appraisers, and lenders do business. Um, I am contacted by the lender, so anytime a buyer is going to buy a house, uh, they're going to go talk to their loan officer and get that process rolling, and then the lender will either contact me directly or they'll go to a third party, what's called an appraisal management company, and then they will send the order to me and then they will define the scope of work that they want. Okay. They will define whether this is a, an interior appraisal or whether this is an exterior appraisal. Gotcha. And then that will help me determine what um, work would need to be done and what kind of form I need to use and what kind of analyzation I will need to uh, do to figure out the value. Okay, perfect. So let's say you've got a full scope interior appraisal on a home because somebody's buying the home and we got to figure out, is this property going to appraise for the purchase price? Right. What does that process look like from the time that you drive on out to the time that you submit your report? What, what happens in there? Well, there's a lot that's happening. Uh, when we get the order, first thing I'm doing is pulling all the public data I can on the property. I want to. I'm looking for uh, tax cards. I'm looking for the zoning. I'm looking for aerial satellite shots from uh, GIS mapping. I'm looking for taxes. I'm looking for all that kind of information, any kind of public information from the uh, county government, and then I'm looking for a copy of the purchase agreement and any other uh, amendments, counter offers, any of that stuff. Uh, response to inspections, that kind of things. I'd love to have all that information. And then I set up an appointment to go look at the property, try and work with the homeowner best I can. But obviously, if it's listed with a realtor, hey, I'd love to use my little e-key and get, get right in that house. And, <laughs> and we make it a lot easier for them than we used to in the past. <laughs> right, right. I don't have to drive somebody's office to get a key. I can just drive straight to a house and go look at it. Um, and then when I get there, you know, I'm taking pictures. I'm measuring the house, looking at outbuildings, uh, just looking at the neighborhood. You know, is there something going on in the neighborhood? Like right now, uh, you know, on the southeast side, you got all the sewer work going on. A lot of roads can be impacted. You know, long term, that does not have an impact on value, but short term on that day it may have an impact because hey look nobody can turn left here and that's really the only way to go but we want to go right so there can be all kinds of issues but basically the, the first uh, viewing of the property you're out there uh, gathering data just gathering all the information you can and then you come back uh, to the my office or go back to your office and start um, analyzing the data you okay. know. So when you're analyzing the data, I, you know, I tell everybody it's kind of similar. When I when I do my market analysis, I say it's similar to an appraiser because obviously I'm going to do some stuff where I'm going and I'm seeing what the recent sales are. I'm seeing what's on the market as active competition. Um, I'm really trying to keep my comps, especially in a market like ours where it is real low inventory mm -hmm. and it is, you know, prices are rising, things are selling fast. I want right. to look at recent comps. Is there like a time frame that you have to stick in whenever you're doing your appraisal? Say, hey, I have to look at you know stuff in the last five days, 10 days, six months. Like, right. what, what are we looking right. at there? Well, you obviously want the most recent data because you, everything I'm, all the data I'm looking at happened in the past. 
everything that I'm doing is from this point forward. So I'm trying to figure out what's happening now based on what's happened in the past. I can go up to 12 months on most assignments um, and for secondary market, for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA. They will allow you to go up to 12 months uh, to look for sales unless there is something unusual about the property, uh, like the aforementioned geodesic dome. Then time frames can be taken off the table and you can just pull the data to be more um, uh, accurate. Uh, so time frame is nice, but there's also a distance requirement. Okay. Uh, uh, so a lot of like within urban environments, they want comps within one mile. Within suburban uh, areas, they want them within five miles. And within rural areas, they want them within 10 miles. Well, obviously, in some areas around here, 10 miles is not nearly enough. <laughs> and sometimes, especially like... We're looking at you posing in Gibson counties. Warwick County, don't <laughs> Yeah, Warwick out. County, too. Uh, the, when you get out into the more rural areas, you know, Poseyville, a Griffin, a Grandview, that kind of stuff, your time frames and distance requirements, you know, you, you want to heat them, but they aren't lock, stock, and barrel the only way Right. That makes sense. So uh, I just got a question actually over here on Ryan's page. This one actually caught my eye. I like this one from Brian Weatherford. Thanks for the question, Brian. Yes. Is home appearance more important than location? I would say no. Uh, the, the old axiom of location, location, location will play as big a part in value as anything else. But that's not to say that appearance doesn't count. It does. You want a house to have good curb appeal. Is there a value line for curb appeal? No. But you. <laughs> but when it, you don't have it, that does play an impact. When you, when, you have to look at the whole property as a whole. Right. You know, there are certain things that you have to take in and analyze that maybe you can't necessarily make an adjustment for, but you need to take into consideration. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, that is a great question, Brian. Thanks for that. And I will actually kind of touch on that myself as well, uh, not even just necessarily from an appraisal standpoint, but from a market analysis standpoint. Uh, your, your appearance and location are definitely factors that we take into consideration. I tell people all the time, you know, if I'm looking at a house that's in Gibson County, um, in some areas, I could be like, hey, if we're in Princeton or we're in Hobbstad and the home looks exactly the same. The location is going to play an impact where maybe the Hobbstad is going to have a higher valuation than a Princeton home may. Uh, whether you're on the east side, north side, west side of Evansville, that same house at times may have a different valuation based on the comps that are selling there. So that was an absolutely great uh, question. Um, Got a question from Sean. Sean Hillenbrand. Hi, Sean. Hey, Sean, thanks for the question. I like this one, too. Is it a conflict of interest that the appraiser is hired by the financial institution? Uh, Ryan, I'm going to let you answer this. And then I got a great follow-up that we actually got from, um, I think, from Greg's page. And I'll have him chime in here in a second on the back end of this one. Is it a conflict of interest? No. Uh, we are hired as an independent third party to come out and evaluate the real estate to determine a value. Uh, so our work is not based on commission, it's not based on direction, it's based on what the market defines is a value. So I, all I'm out there is just analyzing the, the data, analyzing the property, and then figuring out the value from there. So I, I have no vested interest. Uh, if the property sells for X or Y, my, my interest is determining what is the value. 
Now, Sean, I will uh, now ask Greg to follow up this question with his per, uh, question that we got from the field because it kind of plays into what happens if there's a difference in the purchase price and possibly the appraised value. So, Greg, what was that question? All right, we got this question coming from Patty from Rio, Indiana. What happens if a house sells for more than it is appraised? Okay, I'm going to hit this question first because I think there are some different things. We kind of touched on this briefly last time, and then I'm going to let Ryan uh, kind of throw his hat in the ring on this one too. Um, there's a couple of different situations that can happen if the purchase price exceeds the appraised value. Obviously, in the situation where the lender is having the appraisal done for a purchase, um, they want to make sure that the value is actually there so that they're comfortable loaning money against it because that house is the collateral against which they're loaning the money. Obviously, if the appraiser comes in and says that the appraised value is less than the purchase price, something's got to happen because the appraiser or the lender is not going to give the full loan amount based off of that appraisal. Now, they, they will make a loan uh, based on the, the sale price or the appraisal price, whichever is lower. Right. So if we get to a position where the appraisal price is actually below the sale price, which happens on occasion, especially when you're in a market like ours where property values are rising rapidly due to lack of inventory, there's several factors that can... Uh, be impacted here. First option that is out there, if the buyer wants the house and they have the cash to come up with and pay the difference, they can take that loan based off the appraised value and pay the cash difference because they can say, hey, you know what? I don't care. I love this house. I want this house. I will do what it takes to get it. And if that means I've got to pay the extra money, I'll pony up the cash. I'll make it happen. Right. Here in Southwest Indiana, we are insulated against this happening quite often. But I actually do business coaching with a company out of California. And he told me that he hears of people all the time writing offers, knowing that there's a potential that the buyer is going to have to pay cash above the appraised value to get the deal done. And there are multiple offer situations where if you don't waive that contingency of the appraised value matching the purchase price, you're not even going to be competitive. So we're lucky we don't have to deal with that here, but that is something that comes up. Second option that can happen, you can negotiate with the seller and say, hey, is there any way that you guys can lower the purchase price to match what's on the appraisal? If you're not too, too far off, sometimes the seller is going to be willing to negotiate that down. You're going to be able to get that price a little bit closer to the appraised value. That way you don't have to come up with cash as the buyer. Um, at that point in time, you know, you just renegotiate, you get that amendment done, you send it into the lender, they're going to get everything taken care of. That appraisal can be used. You're in good hands. Now this question's great because this is one that I, I warned Ryan on this one. I'm throwing him on the hot seat tonight. Third option here. What do you do if the house doesn't appraise and you just don't agree with the appraiser? The seller's not willing to change the price. The buyer's not willing to come up with the cash. Right. The truth of the matter is, is appraisals are, they say on there, this is the appraiser's opinion, opinion of value. value. Correct. What if I don't think your opinion's right? I'm not saying that I'm the guy who's going to come out here and say, Ryan, you're wrong. <laughs> There's some people who might. What does that process look like? Well, the first and foremost, don't call the appraiser. I'm just going to tell you, you don't want to talk to the appraiser. After the Frank Dodd Act passed in 2009, they kind of wanted to limit the contact and undue influence on the appraiser. So they wanted to insulate us from the 
or during the transaction. They didn't want anybody pressuring us to hit values. Like you're not going to get another order from us unless you hit this value. So they tried to, they changed the process up. And so the best way to address, if you feel that the appraisal is deficient, whether there were errors or you think that the value is just wrong, what you need to do is contact your lender and you need to provide them with different sales. If you feel that the three or more sales that they utilized in their appraisal were deficient or inferior or just plain wrong for whatever reason, then you need to provide sales that you feel are more adequate or better than the ones the appraiser used and then analyze them. Don't just throw sales at the appraiser because the appraiser has access to the MLS just like the broker does and we analyze the data. So don't just throw sales at the appraiser or send them to the lender get say, find a new property and then say we feel this is superior because it was built by the same builder it's the same floor plan it's x or y just you know address the reasons why you feel your comp is superior to the one that the appraiser utilized and that is the key you want to provide data and analyze it and then submit that to the lender and then once the lender has that data, then they will contact the appraiser and then we have a channel to uh, provide a rebuttal on whether, oh, hey, I did make a mistake. How did I not see that comp? Right. Okay, let me reevaluate this. Let me throw that in the report. And then like, oh, hey, you know, if the value is wrong, if data is brought to the appraiser's attention that somehow wasn't available or it was missed beforehand, most professional appraisers I know, or not most, everyone I know and deal with would be willing to say, you know what, I made a mistake, I didn't see that, I need to correct this and make it right. You know, you just touched on something there that I think is kind of important. You said maybe there's data that was not readily available at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of times people do upgrades and do improvements to their house that aren't always necessarily, you know, easily seen. Like maybe there's some plumbing upgrades or there's some septic Heated upgrades, stuff, stuff like that that the appraiser may not see. Right. When you're coming out to the house to do that inspection and take a look at the property, is it beneficial for the seller to have any kind of information readily available to you to say, hey, here's what we've done, here's the upgrades we've done, the repairs we've made? Is yes. that something that you take a look at? Absolutely. I love love being provided uh, data from uh, the homeowner. I will never turn down information, especially at the uh, initial inspection uh, at the property. I would love information of updates, upgrades, improvements you've made to the property since you purchased the home. Or if something happened right before you bought it that was significant, you know, a new septic system or anything like that. Any significant upgrades to the property, give me the information. Uh, date time it was done would be great I'm not worried about the cost of the upgrade but uh, knowing uh, time and place is a, a, a key to it I believe excellent excellent um, I've seen some other questions come rolling through what you got for us Greg yeah, we got uh, Mark here he wants to know what are your thoughts Ryan on zoning and its effects on property values well, zoning can have an impact on value, obviously, in um, areas that are going through transition. Uh, transitioning areas uh, that have commercial zoning can have an impact on value, and it does uh, make the appraiser's job uh, slightly more difficult uh, because after the initial contact from the lender with the information for the, the address, the contact, buyer, seller, all that information, um, the first thing we have to determine after the scope of work is... Um, what is the highest and best use of the property? And highest and best use typically means what is the highest value? In what state does this property uh, return the most value? And zoning can have an impact on that. If a property is zoned uh, C1, 
in a residential neighborhood, uh, that means that you know somebody could open up a mom and pop shop there. So, what's the value then? So, I mean, it's a loaded question. I can't speak directly. There aren't percentages or uh, dollar figures for each zoning, but every situation and scenario will be different. But zoning can play an impact on value, good and bad. Uh, I like that. So I uh, got another question here from Ryan's channel from uh, Brent Jackson. Do trees add value to homes or properties? Do trees add value to homes? Well, that is a loaded question and I'm going to try and answer it in two parts. Okay, In a real estate transaction where there's a buyer and seller and whatnot, uh, doing a conventional appraisal, um, I am not adding value for a palm tree or a walnut tree or anything like that you know that's part of the landscaping it's not like i'm giving 500 for an oak tree and a thousand for a walnut or anything like that uh, it, it plays into the overall um, picture of the property that goes into the curve appeal and do you want to um sorry not do you want to but you look at the whole property um with the trees in it so i'm not adjusting individually for trees now the only caveat to that is is in eminent domain work if you are on say the green river road ex uh, extension that's happening right now the appraisers are coming in there and they are valuing they will give you value for trees because they're taking trees away and so they had to determine a value but in a market value appraisal trees no Gotcha. That makes sense. So, uh, also here on Ryan's page, I apologize. I'm kind of taking Greg's job here because he doesn't have access to all these questions. We had two people in a row. They want to know. Question I get all the time myself as well whenever I'm going to do a market analysis is, do pools add value to the property? And if so, about how much are we looking at? Ooh, all right. Do pools this is when we make people mad. I'm just going to tell you that right now. People don't like the answer to this question. But they right. paid $50,000 to put that pool in. Right. Okay. And this, this is where I, I, I got a few things in my back pocket here. So, do in-ground pools add value? Well, of course, they add value. But the key thing to remember is cost does not equal value. And that is the big difference. In our market in the Midwest, how many months of the year do we get to reasonably use a swimming pool? You know, around here, maybe four or five months if we're lucky. And so the contributory value is typically half or less than the cost of insulation. If you can get a pool in, uh, installed for 30 grand, you know, your contributory value most likely is going to be in that ten dollars to $15,000 range until you get into the higher price ranges. If you get up into the, I would say, 500000 up, you can almost get a dollar for dollar return on your swimming pool then because most of the people that are that have the half million dollar homes and swimming pools uh, typically also have extensive landscaping and uh, you get a better return on your investment so it, in the typical price range you know 250 and under you're probably getting half or less of the contributory value. And it's unfortunate that I, I also get to tell people that a lot of times as well. So we really appreciate that question. Now, I do want to point out one thing that Ryan said right there is in-ground pools. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, what do you do with above-ground pools? They're pretty typical in our area. Above-ground pools, unfortunately, are considered personal property. And personal property does not is not given value because it's not a fixture. It's not attached to the real estate. It can be moved. I'm not going to say easily, but, you know, take an axe and drain the water and rip it out, then you have no swimming pool. So above-ground pools are considered personal property. They are given no value. 
Um, now here's a question I like to ask because this is what's typical with an above ground pool. You don't just have the pool in and of itself. A lot of people build all these decks around them and they make them look ex mm -hmm. really nice and they're great areas to go and sit and relax. Right. What kind of value do you give to the decks that are surrounding pools that, you know, if the pool has zero value and it was removed from the property because it is personal property, you just mm -hmm. got a deck with a big hole in it. How do you value something like that? Well, it has some value, but it has very limited value because of its uh, utility. Uh, the, the utility of it uh, will play an impact on the value, but there's not a tried and true you know, extrapolation I can use. I really have to analyze the data and see. But in most homes, it's, you know, the contributory value, you're probably talking maybe a couple thousand dollars at most, unless it's some you know, gargantuan 50 by 50 uh, you know, teak uh, or Ipe wood uh, deck or something like that. Makes a lot of sense, makes a lot of sense. I've got a question here for you, Ryan. So let's say yes. that you're going on an appraisal and the next door neighbor's dogs are not cooperating with the appraisal. They're yeah. noisy, they're jumping on the fence. How does the neighbor's uh, landscape and their personal property and maintaining of their personal property or their dogs barking have effect on the property that you're looking at, or does it? I would say it does not have an impact, at least as far as animals go. Uh, unless unless they've got a you know a pig farm or they're raising cattle within the city limits, well, right? Well, them sorry that, in laws that <laughs> that is something we call a, an external factor, and so external factors can impact uh, your property, uh, and it all really kind of, once again it's going to depend on location, what it is, where it is, and whatnot. You know, barking dogs. You got a neighbor with a dog that's really um, you know high maintenance type A personality <laughs> just you know has to let everybody know that well, everything's going on at the same time uh, that can it's not I'm not going to make an adjustment for it but I, I'm sure the market might react to it but you know now I will say as a, as a real estate agent that may have a bigger impact on the marketability of a property if you've got a property next door that is you know they're just not taking care of it everybody knows you know if there's if there's a property in a neighborhood and it just looks like a junkyard you're going to be hoping that you're further away down the cul-de-sac away from that property than you are being right next door mm -hmm. because while it may not have an actual impact on the appraised value of your property it's definitely gonna have an impact on buyers who are coming to look at it. They may not be as willing to purchase that home, which is going to have some impact on the ultimate value that you're gonna get. So appraisal-wise, maybe that external factor isn't that big a deal, but 100%, it's gonna play an impact with people who are coming to look. Not every person, every person's different. Everybody's got right. their own opinion. They got what they like, they've got what they don't like, but it is gonna be something that's taken into consideration by the buyer. Right. So that, that's something I wanna to touch on real quick sure. also is, Whenever we're figuring out, or whenever appraisers are figuring out value on a property, what we're trying to do is figure out what the market as a whole, or on average, is willing to pay for a said amenity. You're always, there's always going to be one or, you know, a couple people, or there's going to be outliers that are willing to pay more for, especially, um, you know, in our area here in the Midwest, I call them garage mahals. When you, when you get into these, you know, $80,000, $100,000 pole barns, that costs a lot of money, and these are where the guys hang out, and sometimes the wives and the kids do too. The contributory value of those um, 
garage mahals are going to be worth more to some than others. Some guys, you know, if there's a built-in car lift in uh, one of these pole barns and you got a guy who's a mechanic, he's going to pay a premium for that because he knows Absolutely. that I got this built in. And I'm not looking for point-specific buyers. I'm looking for what does the market do as a whole. I like that. I like that. So uh, we are getting here, closing in on the 30-minute mark, and I know that I don't want to keep everybody up all night at 9.30 on Monday nights. Really want to say appreciate all the questions that are coming in. But this one just came in from Jason Ludwig, and this is a really good one because we're starting to see more of this stuff impacting our area. Solar panels. What kind of impact do they have? Do they have a dollar-for-dollar dollar value? Do you have to do some kind of other extrapolation or, or calculation? What, what does that do to a property's value? Right. Well, um, great question, Jason. Thanks. Um, the key to solar panels adding value is you have to own them. If you own them, they are going to have some contributory value. If you're leasing them, uh, it's just like leasing a TV or a bed. It does not really have value at that point. So uh, yes, they have that can add value if you own them. Now, a uh, dollar for dollar, no. Uh, typically, the, you know, as I was discussing earlier, when you're uh, researching uh, 